Hey, Dan. What up, guy? You're into this fintech. What's all this I'm hearing about Current? You're going to like this guy. Current is a fintech company that's completely disrupting traditional banking. Wait a second. Does that mean I don't have to drive to the bank anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I manage an important part of my family's finances from one easy-to-use app. Well, I got to get this app, but where can I learn more? It's super easy. Just go to Current.com slash OK, O-K-A-Y, and download the app. That's Current.com slash OK. Current is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group, member FDIC, and Cross River Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to OK Computer. I'm Dan Nathan. I am joined with Gene Munster. He is the managing partner and founder of Loop Ventures. Gene, welcome back to OK Computer. I'm a fan. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, bud. Well, listen, last quarter, we had this great pod. It was you and me. It was one-on-one. -on -one. We hit the big five earnings. They're all coming in the same week. You know what they are. They're Apple, they're Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, and Meta. Um, and we're going to hit all of those because they're all reporting this week. You have positions in some. You do deep research in all of them. But first, Gene, I want to take a quick step back. There were some big movers over the last week or so in tech earnings. And Netflix had that huge rally. We had Snap that had that massive 30% one-day decline after their Q3 results. And then we had Tesla, which is one which I think you know, we, we've kind of, you and I have gone back and forth on this one a lot. And I think that you have a really nuanced view in Tesla. You have a very like, like steadfast long-term view on it, but near term, you've been really apprehensive. Let's start with Snap because, you know, 30% in one day, there's some huge gaps in this chart here. The company announced a huge restructuring in September, okay, where they were going to do workforce reductions, they were cutting some non-core business lines. It seemed like Evan had this sort of come to Jesus um, event. I saw him live with Kara Swisher at the Code Conference in September. Were you surprised based on the miss that they had that the stock reacted so negatively? Yes, I would have expected if you to give me that press release and said, what's the stock going to do? I would have said down 10 to 15%, down 30 to me is uh, an indictment in terms of the conviction that investors have. It was, I think, an, an overreaction. Uh, keep in mind, they guided revenue down for the December quarter by 6%. March of next year probably comes down by an equal amount. So that 30% move, that gap is, is really uh, multiple going away because just loss of confidence. It's unfortunately not the first time that Snap in the last year has had uh, one of these big down days. And I think that that probably plays into it. And you can keep talking about restructuring and trying different things and have this growth plan that's well articulated on a big deck. But until investors start seeing it, I think that they are going to be uh, apprehensive about it. And uh, that's why you got that big drop. All right, so eight and a half dollars. It traded as low as I think seven forty on Friday. So right now, as we're taping Monday afternoon into the close, it's eight dollars and thirty-eight cents. So a decent bounce today after that down twenty-eight percent on Friday. But was there any silver linings? You know, we know that, again. My I was surprised at the magnitude of the drop because of all we knew what the company is in the process of doing. When you announce a 20% workforce reduction, it takes time, right, to work through that. It takes time to close down divisions. There's going to be charges. These are known knowns. But one of the things that I thought, and again, I was long a position coming into it, fully prepared to buy more. And I actually have my average, just to be very clear, 
below $8, okay? I was aggressively buying it Friday morning here, and I think that this thing has easily the potential to double over the next year, probably 200, 300% over the next few years, and I'll give a, a, some reasons later maybe why. But user growth was up 19% in the quarter to 363 million daily active users, well above that of Twitter's, a company that is being taken out probably at the end of this week by Elon Musk for $44 billion. And I look at Snap, similar revenue base in and around $5 billion either side. And I say to myself, okay, man, this has got a $13 billion enterprise value. Too cheap of an asset. So we uh, we have an ETF and we own Snap. We owned it in the ETF going into uh, the print and we continue to own it. They haven't changed our position on that. And it's uh, messy. It's an indictment. But in in the end, I think these storms do pass. And you're exactly right. The, the silver lining here was that user growth. It's a similar type of user growth that they had last quarter. That's off of a smaller number compared to Meta, Facebook, but uh, you know they're growing their DAUs at two percent, and so this is still like really impressive growth. And I think that uh, the piece that gets us excited about it is beyond anything that we've talked about, which is the opportunity around augmented reality. And I think that even though it has become a punchline, I think that it is uh, a logical use case for consumer tech in the next. A couple of years, I think Apple's going to do a lot more on it. Uh, obviously, Meta, Google, Samsung, we're going to Microsoft is in there. We're going to do more on this, and I think that they have an opportunity to become kind of the first company that really is AR uh, uh, native uh, advertising. Then you ask the quick question: What is what does that mean? Snap AR advertising is effectively you can just use some of those filters to look at products in your house or. Uh, look at shoes or women uh, uh, use uh, their, some of the filters to try on different cosmetics digitally. And so there's an opportunity there. And I think it's not uh, being reflected in the current share. I wish uh, they would handle their calls differently. I, there is some definitely cleaning up on the edges, but uh, the substance of your view, I agree on. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is going to be a much smaller, leaner company that has a very, very dedicated user base. And like you said, it is growing faster than many of their peers. I guess the problem in a recessionary environment, despite the secular tailwinds of digital ads, is that, you know, advertisers are going to places where they can take it to the bank, where it's not a fickle teen as the end um, receiver of that ad. I think you and I talked about that, or at least you talked about it on Fast Money um, last week as this result was coming out here. One thing I just think is interesting, again, in, in a world where, you know, the richest man in the world can buy himself, okay, a platform like Twitter, if that is going to happen here, I think there's a lot of potential for activists. I know that Evan Spiegel, the CEO, founder, has probably super voting rights and all that sort of stuff. But when your stock is down and out, down any percent like this, and you're well below your IPO price of five years ago or whatever, you can get pushed around by activists. And I suspect you might see some sort of activist. I think you could see some sort of um, individual take a large stake. I think uh, maybe even a strategic after the midterms might be able to buy an asset like this, especially if Elon Musk um, is able to buy Twitter alone. Just thoughts on that really quickly. I think it's it's right for that. I think that typically you want to have a founder in charge, uh, but in this case, I think with some of the stumbles, uh, I think that Evan, uh, maybe a, a different role, maybe uh, a role that's more product related might better suit his strengths. And so, yes, I think that it is uh, right for that. Always hard to call 
when you get uh, shareholder activism involved. And but I think that this is probably in the top five list of companies that that could see that, especially as you said, with everything that's going on with Twitter. Yeah, no. And the last point I'll just say here is that the largest shareholder is Tencent, um, obviously a Chinese, um, you know, like social media conglomerate. And given everything that we know that's going on over there, I wonder if there is an opportunity for some sort of shareholder turnover, if you will, if you think about what's going on with the Chinese markets. Um, and then we also obviously can't, you know, not talk about TikTok here. You and I in our last pod when you were on in July, we both think there's, um, you know, a decent chance that eventually, you know, TikTok were to be banned here in the us and clearly i think your your thought was that benefits meta almost immediately but it would also benefit snap would benefit snap i think the probability goes up every month especially after last weekend and some of the the continuation of leadership some of the commentary some of the changes to president xi and his uh, cabinet and i think that uh, some of the changes that the u.s has done in terms of executives who work in china in the semiconductor business have been recalled if they want to maintain their U.S. citizenship to come back to the U.S. I mean, TikTok is right in the vortex of everything that's going on with this. And I suspect that it's not going to be available in the U.S. And within a year or two. Yeah. All right. Real quickly on Tesla. This one, again, you know, is obviously always hotly debated here. They reported um, results last week. We know that the deliveries for Q3 um, had already missed. They kind of stuck stuck by their um, delivery guidance for the balance of the year. It seems like it's going to be very hard to achieve. We know that today on Monday, they lowered prices in China um, after having raised them not too long ago. The stock was making a new 15 New 52-week low um, today, it reversed. Again, there was some thought that if Elon is forced to close on Twitter and maybe some of the equity um, you know, contributors that had agreed to help him on that front in the spring are no longer there because of valuations and rates and everything that we you know, kind of spend a lot of time talking about, that he was going to have to sell more Tesla stock to get that equity component to where it needs to be. Do you think that was some of the weakness post the quarter here? And might we see if he is forced to close and he does have the equity and he's got the debt lined up from the banks, might you see some pressure taken off Tesla and bounce a little bit? Because again, this stock a month ago was trading above 300 and right now it's $210, down 40% of the year, down 50% from year ago levels. I think he probably is selling. I think that's putting pressure on the stock. I think that you will see a form of a relief after everything uh, comes to fruition here. And what's the reason why you mentioned all those different factors in terms of raising money? I think the the piece about some of the money coming from outside of the U.S. seems to have uh, raised some eyebrows in Washington. And I think that that uh, element is probably the most uh, stressed piece of it. So I think that there is some, I think he probably is uh, raising some money here. There wasn't enough in negativity, I think, in the in the quarter in their commentary to suggest that this kind of continues to fade when the overall market is kind of holding up. And so I suspect that there's some other X factor going in. And as you said, would expect for the stock to reverse. And ultimately, I, I come down to uh, maybe beyond just a kind of a, a quick a bump back up in, in shares. I think that there's still this bigger question about where Tesla is. We may have a little bit of a different opinion. I think that what we saw in the September quarter was uh, was a wake-up call, I think, for, for people who believe in the story, people who see where this is going, including myself. You typically beat numbers. They have made a habit of that over the last two and a half years. And now you have a situation where they're they're not doing that. And I think that uh, that is 
usually a sign of just uh, a piece where investor expectations start to, they just need uh, three or six months to just to kind of re-rate themselves. I remember Apple went through this period with the iPhone when its growth started to slow and, um, and it took a step back before it could take a step forward. Yeah. So lastly on Twitter again, so the judge in Delaware had given uh, both sides, Twitter and Elon, to October 28th, that is this Friday, to close this deal. The 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 headline that you referenced about the government eyeing this deal, maybe about where he was getting some of the capital. And he's also been really active, you know, with the former president of uh, Russia, you know, talking to him on Twitter in an open conversation about the war in Ukraine and some of the commentary he's had towards, of uh, you know, China and stuff. I mean, all to me, it just looked like a ruse to kind of maybe draw some more attention to the fact that the best case scenario for him is if that if the feds did block the deal because he doesn't want to buy it for 44 billion. His equity, um, you know, contributors don't want him to buy it for 44 billion. The banks who provided the debt don't want him. The only people who want our, our Twitter shareholders, the people at Twitter probably don't, they don't own enough stock. And he's already said that he's going to fire maybe 75% of them. So to me, I still think there's a chance this thing doesn't happen, but I'm the only idiot out there who does think that. Uh, I would say there's a 5% chance it doesn't happen, but the 5% can hit. All right. When we come back, we're going to go through all of this week's massive tech earnings. Hey, listeners, it's Dan here. I want to tell you about a company that I'm really excited about. It's called Current. It's a fintech company that's completely disrupting traditional banking. I'm a new Current customer. It's already helping me and my entire family manage our finances, all from one easy-to-use app. So try Current for yourself and get the app by going to current.com slash OK. That's current.com slash OK. Current is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group, member FDIC, and Cross River Bank, member FDIC. With CME Group's micro-sized futures and options, you can access the same transparency and liquidity of the benchmark contracts with less upfront financial commitment. Diversify your portfolio and manage your exposure with the flexibility of CME Group micro-contracts in crypto, metals, FX, energy, and equity indices. Learn more about what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash micros. This is kind of like the Super Bowl. Tomorrow night, after the close on Tuesday, we have Microsoft um, and Alphabet reporting. I think Microsoft is probably the one that's more interesting to probably both of us. I know that you own Alphabet, so Alphabet is results are interesting to you. But as far as trying to kind of read the tea leaves and kind of you know extrapolate what one of the largest companies by market cap by revenue all of the geographies they touch, the dollar exposure, the enterprise exposure, right? A lot of things going on here. Talk to me a little bit how you're thinking about this Microsoft quarter. The stock has, you know, underperformed the S&P a little bit. Obviously, it's the second largest component in the S&P, um, also the second largest component in the NASDAQ. Um, but, you know, down about 26% of the year. The NASDAQ 100 is down 30%. The S&P is down 20% here. Is this like the big kahuna? Is this one going to set the stage for the whole week? I don't think it'll set the stage for the whole week. I think that it is uh, going to, uh, obviously, along with Google, it's going to have a big impact on it. But I think there are some factors that are impacting Microsoft that uh, investors will probably say are more related. And obviously, that's on the enterprise. And you mentioned about Musk cutting 70% or 30% or 80%, whatever the number is. He's going to let some people go at Twitter. And that's been a pretty common theme amongst um, you know some of the 
information workers, is uh, some of these headcount reductions. We've heard a lot about that from big tech over the last few months. Very different than what if you think about the bell curve or the labor curve and think about uh, other jobs that you don't hear about companies laying off. You don't hear Chipotle laying off uh, people who are working in their stores or trying to find people to do that. And so I think that you know this kind of rationalization in terms of uh, what's going on in the enterprise, I think Microsoft is at more risk. Uh, they are at risk. I think that they will. I think they'll probably talk about some of that risk in the quarter. I don't necessarily believe the stock is going to implode because there's no other place for uh, these businesses to go. They are the still the, the gold standard in terms of work tools. But the I think that that is uh, a factor, and I think we're going to see more of that. Even if GDP growth is good in, in the most recent quarter, I still think that uh, businesses are starting to cut. Uh, uh, essentially informational workers. And I think that Microsoft's at risk. We did see, you know, in Q2 results, a deceleration in cloud growth among Microsoft, uh, you know, AWS, right? That was kind of a theme throughout. So I wonder if that's kind of something that we look back at at the end of this week and just say, you know, maybe that was a little bit of a canary in the coal mine. And then when you think of some of these, you know, SaaS companies that sell, you know, licenses to seats, if you're starting to see, as you call them, information workers being laid off, I mean, that's the the sort of thing I think that people like me are really looking for because we haven't really seen that yet in the enterprise. And I know that back in June, I think you and I talked about it. I, I think it was like the ServiceNow CEO, Bill McDermott, had kind of made some comments about, you know, slowing enterprise demand, at least from what they were seeing, but it wasn't really confirmed among many of its peers at the time. It wasn't. And uh, it's in some cases, you know, just this idea of a slowdown in terms of hiring, it sounds out of touch with reality. But if you'd, if you'd rewind nine months ago, a year ago, and say that the housing market's going to slow down, that would have seemed like a comment that's out of touch. Yeah. And, and, and lastly here, so so Microsoft, again, you know, the stock was trading a year ago um, above 340. It's trading just above 240 right now, trading about 24 times this year. I think high single digits expected uh, EPS growth, maybe 10% sales growth, flat margins expected 68% here. Obviously, you know, like all this stuff that generate tons of cash. I mean, things are going just fine here. Does 24 times bother you at all this year and 21 times next versus an S&P that's likely to trough? somewhere 13, 14 times if we really are in a recessionary environment at some point in the next, let's call it, couple quarters. Yeah, I, I think you can find better places to uh, to to uh, have outperformance. I, we own some of large cap tech and we don't own Microsoft. And I think that does the 24 times uh, bother me? I'd much rather own Apple, just given some of the other opportunities that they have longer term than something like Microsoft. I think Google... Uh, better optionality value. Understand that Microsoft has, uh, you know, of course, a, a stable business. But for you to kind of earn and retain and grow a multiple, you got to be inspiring investors. And I still think cloud isn't enough to inspire. They're just not doing enough in AR, and it's still a relatively straightforward. Um, dare I say, boring business right now. And I think you need a little bit of spice to keep the multiple up. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Alphabet. They report tomorrow after the close and, you know, expected. I'm, we're, we're just looking at out years, you and I, at this point, right? So if we're just talking valuation, 2023 expected um, EPS growth about 15%, maybe similar, a little less on the revenue side, trading about 18 times, about as cheap as you've probably ever seen Alphabet, right? If you think about it, very stable margins. Talk to me about this one, because again, you know, you can look at, you can, you can take what, you know, Snap had to say and, and some other ad platforms. You can, you can try to extrapolate 
extrapolate that to Google. I think probably you following this company for more than 15 years, you tell you that's usually a fool's errand because they're the ones kind of setting the stage. They're not the ones being displaced here and here. Thoughts on Google. Again, the stock's down 30% of the year. It was trading at an all-time high, a new all-time high after they reported their Q4 back in February. Remember that huge it's gap crazy. there? Yeah. Filled in the whole thing. That. And now, Disney you know, memory. Yeah, well, it just it's just fascinating to me because, again, I know that a lot of the fears that a lot of tech investors had about valuations at the time because they were certain that interest rates were at least going to come off of that zero rate, you know, interest rate bound. I don't think many thought rates would be as high as they are resetting valuations. This valuation looks reasonable. The question is, can they achieve double digit earnings and sales growth next year? Because then 17, 18 times seems reasonable for Alphabet. I don't know if they need to achieve double-digit growth next year. I agree. I'm looking out six, 12 months from now. I don't know if they need to do that. I think they need to continue to show that they it's, there's some uh, similar aspects to what Microsoft's doing, a steady business that's kind of boring, search is kind of boring, but they're just finding ways to continue to improve the search experience and uh, therefore improve the monetization of it. And so I think that uh, in part, what we're going to see this week is a little bit of a relief. Uh, the as you said, a lot of investors are looking beyond what happened with Snap, but it's still in the back of your mind. And you can kind of parse through what was said, and there still is some uh, overall risk relative to the macro to Google. And I think that that has been weighing on the multiple. So I think if you just start to release some of that stress on the overall macro, presumably in the next six months or a year, I think that Google's multiples are going to go up. Remember, they still have other bets. They're still doing a lot in AI. They still have TensorFlow. They're basically within uh, Google Cloud, allowing you to run different AI models within that. That's pretty unique. Other companies are doing it, but not to the same extent that Google is. And so I think that, uh, in other words, kind of putting it together, I think it deserves a higher multiple, even though a multiple much higher than its growth rate, given yeah. some of the optionality. All right. Well, here's here's one. You just mentioned Meta here. Um, here's here's one that its expected growth rate, both earnings and sales, is trading very near its PE multiple, and that's Meta. That report that reports Wednesday after the close, the stock is down 61% on the year, is down more from its all-time highs. And, and again, this is one that was easy to kind of extrapolate after the snap results. It was down immediately in sympathy. We know they got um, a lot of problems, a product transition of like epic proportions going on here. I think some people that absolutely love this story, even a year ago, even a year ago on the announcement of the name change and the change of focus are really not happy with the stock. The funny thing is, and you used to play this kind ratings game all the time when you were an analyst on the other side there are still 42 analysts this is per fact set that rate the stock a buy there's only 14 holds and four sells so the analyst community is still overwhelmingly positive the valuation has never been cheaper the expectations and the sentiment are just just horrible so talk to me are we going to see anything that they might be able to buck some of the, at least the sentiment trends that we have right now about digital ads and i guess their their outlook for their business their core business and where they want to go I think so. And I, if you look at big tech more broadly over the next probably six months, this probably has the most upside potential. We own Meta. We have not owned it all year. We've been buying it more recently. And uh, I've had a storied pass on this. I don't like their products. I've been pretty clear about that. But I think that there's uh, this kind of reached a point where when uh, you're getting down close to a 10 times next year's earnings number, it just uh, felt like uh, there's the, there's the, uh, a positive risk reward here. The piece that doesn't add up, I would say this is 
about as straightforward as a upside potential as I've seen. The piece that doesn't add up is pretty obvious. Pretty obvious that they have a a, a world class forty percent of the, the the global internet population looks at one of their properties daily. You have uh, that's really important to advertisers. Uh, they're going to be around for a long time, but um, you know the the stock still just doesn't uh, doesn't yeah. move. So that is that's a little bit concerning. But I think when you put it together, I think we're going to look back uh, two years from now, and I'm probably going to say I don't like their products, and I think the stock's going to be higher. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I I almost feel like if this thing had one more gap, like one more gap lower, yeah. where you know, and then you had like a a downgrade of just guidance, a downgrade of just you know like ratings on the sell side, investors just kind of finally hate sell it. You know what I right. mean? Um, we haven't had the 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 snap capitulation yeah. point on Meta yet. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of with you. You know, I took a shot and I tried to buy some earlier this summer, and I don't like anything about the company. I don't really like, um, you know, Zuckerberg either, and what his vision of the future is um but you know if you're just thinking about it divorced of all of that sort of stuff um you know i, I would think if you if there's one more gap maybe down 15 20 or something like that above 100 bucks like it you know i'm hard pressed to think that this thing won't be a double at some point in the next three to five years all right let's hit this one this is this this is actually the big kahuna i said it before i mean that was you know microsoft's the big kahuna for tuesday but this is always the big kahuna and it's apple reports thursday after the close the stock has massively outperformed the market this year down only 15%. It seems like on even on down days when things are getting, you know, shot and, you know, like this one is always just a, like money just coming into it. It's coming out of other stuff and it goes right um, into Apple. And again, let's talk about geographic exposure, dollar exposure, obviously China supply chains, not, just not only depending upon obviously the manufacturing there, but also the sales outlet, right? We know that Europe is obviously a huge region for them. And we know that, you know, that's a bit depressed here. Thoughts on Apple? Like, is there a scenario where Apple and, and this brings me back to you remember early 2019, I think it was like the second trading day of the year in January where Apple had their first negative pre-announcement, I think over a decade. And it was specifically on China. You probably yeah. came yeah. on fast money. Pandemic China related. Yeah, well, no, this was pre-pandemic. This was like, oh, yeah. this was just China slowdown. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm so like, how is it? Is this company so much better managed than they were, let's say, three years ago that they've been operating in a very difficult environment where are the products just that good with the demands always there? I was never a big believer in these super cycles, the next 5G phone or this and that, whatever. But like the relative strength is something that it'd be stupid to ignore. And I think one of the ironies about their strength and what's happened with the stock is that the piece that has been uh, historically criticized, which is the hardware hit and miss, boom and bust type of a cycle mentality with investors after some of the pain that happened in the smartphone hardware world years ago, some of that, I think all that those issues are starting to become more clear that that's a strength of the company. No other company... I mean, I, I, it's, a, it's a tagline from the company, hardware, software, and services. Uh, well, the only other company that I think does it to that extent is Tesla and different topic. But it's pretty rare for companies to do all three and do them with excellence. And uh, I think that's a piece. And what does all that mean? It, it's, it's, I'm not uh, just recycling some of their marketing language. What it means is that they make products that people like and that work really well and that Obviously, our lives are becoming more dependent on this. This is a similar thesis to 10 years ago. It still plays out today. It still uh, resonates true. You get other aspects. I mean, uh, today they announced that they're raising their price. If you look 
on their services. It's about an average of about a 16% price increase. That's going to probably add about 2.5%, 2.5% to overall earnings. So to put that into perspective is, uh, you know, this, this price increase can add uh, almost $2 billion, and that includes a 20% churn onto their bottom line. There are not very many companies that can uh, uh, flip a switch and and all of a sudden $2 billion in earnings shows up over four quarters. And investors love that. And then you also have some of the optionality about other things they can get into longer term. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I bought the first Apple Watch probably seven or eight years ago. I had it for two weeks. It really bugged the crap out of me. I remember you and I having a conversation in, in the green room of CNBC's Fast Money. This was years ago, and you had one on your wrist, and you were singing the praises for a whole host of different reasons. And then every year, you know, a new one come out and incrementally a little better, but it was still the same form factor, still looked the same. Well, look at this bad boy. This new Ultra for $800, this thing is dope. Eight. And it, it's the first one that I've had. I I'm like not it. Lying, since the first and i just think i got that, watch envy here dan yeah, well i saw it I, you, know, you know what's funny I, I know you know rick heitzman he had a um a first mark of then at the nysc a few weeks ago and i saw a guy sitting next to me was wearing one i'm like what the hell is that and then rick had one and the next day i i, I gotta get one of those so yeah you probably it's have a, a little statement envy. yeah it's yeah, not no. about the uh the people who are climbing mountains it's definitely a statement and they i think they, they've got something watches uh it's going to rebound it's been struggling the last couple quarters but i think it's going to rebound nicely well the service thing's interesting too because we know that they've been decelerating obviously you had that huge growth you know what i mean like when they really started to kind of kick in a few years ago but it'll be interesting to see that mix shift back up on this news yeah no and i and i know that you know that's been part of the bullish thesis for you is just kind of that mix shift and as it becomes a greater percentage of their revenues even as the rate of ios right like um their their installed base you know it's just you know it's not what it was five years ago that's where those services really start to kick in and help the margin there so um again i'm with you all right real quickly because i know we got to get out of here amazon's the last one this one to me is just so curious because after the huge ramp right in in during the pandemic um the stock then went sideways for the second half of 2020 where a lot of mega cap tech was still going berserk it didn't do anything last year went sideways still and then had this precipitous drop this year at one point it was down from a high of from last summer 2021 at 188 and it traded just above 100. It had a huge rally this summer when the NASDAQ rallied 20%. It rallied like 40-some percent here. Thoughts on this one? Because this is the one of the mega caps that I think I would love to kind of own in and around this kind of $100 level if it were to get back there. I know it's well above that, but that's where it was just a couple of weeks ago. Thoughts on Amazon into the print and maybe kind of looking past the print. So into the print, this for me, it's a wild card. Feel good about Google. Feel good about Apple feel surprisingly good about meta stock. Uh, but I, I just don't know how this one's going to play out just because of the, the, all the, the cross currents related to costs and what's going to happen with consumer demand, what their commentary is going to be in December. Uh, so there's, um, it's hard to kind of judge that, but I would come back to, you know, there's just some, what we call an undeniable truth, which is no one's going to compete with Amazon. And when you kind of uh, zoom out and look at this longer. I mean, the, the logistics piece of it, who would have ever imagined five years ago we're, we're focusing on logistics as one of their competitive advantages. It's a huge advantage. And uh, there's, they overbuilt more recently. They're going to tighten that up, but still no one's coming even close. And so I think that uh, you know when you uh, just fast forward, 
six, 12, 24 months from now, I think that this is, this company is going to be in a great position. And, uh, just because they really don't have any competition. Um, I don't consider other e-commerce companies really competition for Amazon. All right. So one last question to you before we get out of here, I think we played this game last quarter into the, the Q2 results. If there was one of these stocks that we just mentioned, the five that are reporting this week that is down, let's say 10 plus percent on a disappointment that you want to buy, and then one that's say let's say up five seven percent or so that's up on a great quarter and guidance that you want to buy up okay so one that you want to buy down that you want to look past whatever headwind is near term and one that you want to buy that's up so i would if apple was down 10 percent, i would be all over it i think that that would be uh yeah that would be a gift i don't think we're going to get it but that would be a gift and then uh the second one was uh one that's it gaps up and you want to buy more of it yes uh, be meta. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Gene Munster, you're the man from Loop Ventures. Thank we really you, appreciate Dan. these conversations. We all I get smarter Give me a listening big to you. All right, man. Well, let's have you back and we'll just do a little bit of a recap at some point when the dust settles. Thanks a lot, Gene Munster. Thank you. If you like what you heard, make sure to hit follow and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. We also want to hear from you. Email us at contact at riskreversal.com.